Was it my home diggity dog? That does feel really weird. I don't, I don't like you talking first. <laughs> I know. I made you cut. Here, you can start and you can cut it. No, because that's going to be the start of the episode. That's how this works. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I guess we're here. Listeners, hello. Are you going to say hello to me, Mark? Grant's or... taking the lead. What? Have yeah, you said hello hi. to me yet? Hi. Oh, I thought you just started with, this makes me uncomfortable. I mean, I did, but now I'm saying hi. <laughs> okay. Well, it's great to talk to you, Mark. <laughs> I got a conundrum in my life. Okay. I have. So, as I think you are well aware, I always wear a watch every day of my life because I feel very naked without it, except for when I'm in, like, the lab, obviously, because I can't wear a watch there. But I do need to ask something real quick. Yes. Given your complexion, how bad is your watch line? Uh, not bad at all. What do you think I do? Go outside? That's why I'm, I'm just asking, because it would be pretty bad if I stuck... Like, this is the thing. I wore a watch <laughs> for, like, two straight years, especially once I became a camp counselor. Uh, you know, I had a watch on all the time, because I never had my phone mm-hmm. on me. I needed to have a watch. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then it was, then as you just get momentum, you're like outside every single day and you get this horrible watch tan. Yep. Um, and then eventually I just kind of stopped. I don't even know when I stopped wearing one regularly, but I wore one for a few years and then I, and then I stopped for a while and then, yeah, and now I'm back. So now it'd be another big, like upheaval to ever stop wearing one again. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't actually get much of a bad watch tan. Probably because like I'm not outside that much, but when I am outside for a significant period of time, like there's a definitive mark where my watch was. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my conundrum at the moment, or I don't know, not a conundrum, but just thing that I'm grappling with is I have always worn like a sportsy watch. I don't know how else to describe it, but like a you wear a runner's plas- watch. Yeah, a runner's watch. Like, plastic band, digital, big letters, or numbers. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> big letters that say, two o'clock. <laughs> yes, that's what they say. Um, And so, my current one that I'm wearing has survived for way longer than they normally do. Like, because they're relatively cheap watches. Um, and so, like, they good definitely last like a good couple years but the one that i'm wearing currently has been around for a hot sec like i definitely got it at least in high school or earlier wow um and like i'm at the point with it where like so the the little extra loop to like tuck the band into that ripped off years ago hmm and so I've been going at least the past like three or four years with little like hair rubber band thingies that I have to replace every six months that are wrapped around a couple times and slowly stretch out over time that yeah. I just stick the loose end into. Um, but so I do just want to throw this out that I'm pretty sure watch band replacements are a thing. I know they are. Okay. But a watch band replacement on a $20 watch uh, may not be exactly economically wise. Uh, that's fair. Because if it's if it's close to or greater than the price of the watch, like, mm, 
Yeah, I'm on board with you there. Um, so, because, like, there's other things wrong. Like, it's hard to read what any of the buttons say they are because all of that paint has come off. All Any, any sorts of coatings on the watch that gave it uh, any sort of difference between a matte area and a shiny area, those are all long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the metal hardware has lost its black paint. All those, all that sort of jazz. The screen is scratched like a, I don't know what's really scratched, but really bad. Um, and recently, the band has started to crack right near one of the loops, and mm. it has cracked so bad that on one side of the loop i honestly do not understand how it does not crack the rest of the way because like between the little hole for the i don't know what all these watch parts are called but like the little hole in the watch belt loop thing in the jobber mm-hmm. and like the actual edge of the band there is like a tear that i would say goes across 95 percent of the distance Okay, so we're talking about, when you say the loop, you mean like the band of the watch? Yes. So what are the holes in the watch called that like you stick the little... I have no idea. I just wanted to make sure we're on the same board with calling it a watch band instead of a watch loop. (laughs) No, uh, sorry. I was saying like the hole. I called the hole a loop, I think. Okay, gotcha. Or I just don't know what I'm saying. No, I understand what you're saying. I'm picturing it. I was just thinking of the wrong part of the watch at first. Yeah. I'm with you now. And so it is... It is the one hole inside the hole that I normally use to size my watch that has this tear nearly all the way across it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just waiting for the day that I wake up, take a shower, put my watch back on after my shower, and it rips. Mm-hmm. And I can no longer wear it. And then I have to frantically try to find a new watch before I have to go too many days while feeling naked. Mm-hmm. And so. I've been thinking about pre-planning for this eventuality and purchasing a watch in advance. My conundrum is, do I buy another similarly styled watch? Or do I try to upgrade to a more adult, stylish watch, which I feel like would fit me better? I need to clarify something first, based on a vague memory of you from high school. Do Mm -hmm. you still wear your watch on the underside of your wrist? Not always. Most okay. of the time, no. Okay. But uh, yes, you are correct. I did do that for a long time. Yes. And so, for me at least, I I don't worry if people do that because, you know, you live your life. If it works for you, it works for you. But I don't think I've ever seen someone wear a watch that looks like it costs more than $40 wearing a watch that way. Yeah. Uh, and I would not. Okay. So, I just wanted to throw that out there because that was my initial thought. Mm-hmm. Um, what when you say an upgrade, are you saying an upgrade to like a fancier watch, or like in terms of look, or in terms of feature set, perhaps? Because you may enjoy like a quote unquote smartwatch type of thing, no. or just like a slightly nicer running watch. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying a smartwatch like an Apple Watch. I'm saying like a Garmin yeah. running watch kind of thing that just has like a few more features, but it still has like the same aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I while I would consider something like the smartwatch sort of deal for exercise purposes, it would not be a daily driver for me. I do not want that as a daily driver. Um, Why? 
because I decided it. When we're, are we still talking about different kinds of smartwatches? Y- sure. As like, in, like I, when I, you say you wouldn't daily drive one, do you mean you wouldn't daily drive like a Garmin running yes. watch? Or a, at least at this point, maybe in a couple years. Because you do realize that a Garmin, that most Garmin running watches, like you can yes. get ones that look probably yes. exactly like yours. Yes. And all they I, are, I all, they just also happen to be pedometers and may have GPS. I do recognize that. Okay, and you're just standing firm on some arbitrary principles. Yes. All right. Well, uh, then I guess you're not going to do that. So uh, (laughs) then the question is, spend $20 on another digital watch Mm -hmm. or a bit more on, or a lot more, any range of similar to way more money on a watch that is not digital. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm trying to find where my, I guess, honestly, it's like a question for me of like finding my own style. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause like, I like the concept or the idea of having, yes, I want to have a nice watch that like fits with my style and my aesthetic and like who I want to be and who I want to project to the world. And also that tells me the time because that's why I want to wear one. Um, but like it's one of those things where my current watch has been totally fine because like it's a decision I made long ago and it's it was much easier just to like not question like why I wear this watch and the effect that it has on like my perception as a person mm-hmm. rather than like make the choice of like oh Maybe this doesn't fit, like, who I want to project, so let's find a watch that, like, it's easier just to go with the flow, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you come to me with your fashion questions. Um, I know. I'm coming to the right place, I'm certain. Yes. Mr. Refused to wear a spark coat on a plane. Jesus uh, Christ. But my, being actually serious, Okay. my impression of watches... Mm-hmm. is a watch can fall into one of three general categories for for you know stereotypical men type watches right mm-hmm. it can be unremarkable mm-hmm. which yours is and i have plenty of people at work who wear like uh one of the um guys that i've worked with for worked with for quite a while and is a big runner has a you know garmin gps kind of watch thing mm-hmm. um but it, you know it's just an unremarkable digital looking watch all those garmin all and even you know similar casio whatevers uh, i think I, I probably had a casio when i was a camp counselor from target or whatever um all those they're just kind of they're just watches people don't pay that close attention to them because they immediately just kind of blend into everything mm-hmm. you know and, and i think that's totally fine and and it's and it's not worth worrying about if you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then there are on the opposite side watches that demand attention, mm-hmm. uh, which are you know obviously not my style, uh, most likely not yours. And then there are watches somewhere in the in between, which I would you know which are remarkable in the terms of they are not unremarkable, but they're still like a. No one's gonna like think differently about you i doubt but it may be something like interesting to talk about you know 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the other week when we talked about my slow watch, that is a remarkable watch in terms of it being pretty unique among watches that most people have seen in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I remember wearing it um, as an intern and my intern desk buddy, you know, kind of pointing it out, be like, oh, that's an interesting watch. And we just kind of chatted about it for a moment. And it's just like, cool. That was like a nice little, little interaction that wouldn't have happened were it uh, an unremarkable watch. But also it's just like, a, yeah, I, I thought this was a nice watch. And, you know, now I have that. So uh, I, I think that that's like the sort of value judgment is. Do you want something that like you uh, yourself find like intriguing, you know, mm-hmm. versus a watch that you don't really think about and just kind of put on each morning and nobody else is going to think about it either. See, I feel like I lean more towards the second option. Hmm? Like I, I want to, I feel like, and so I'm making a distinct difference between I want and I feel like I want um, something that is like remarkably understated, but nice. Like I want something that blends into me not something that I blend into. Hmm. Does it, I, don't, I don't think that makes sense to me, even. But uh, yeah, I feel like it that that sentence makes sense if you weren't talking about a watch. I don't think watches quite have that power. <laughs> what do we? What has that power? I feel uh, like this is more something, interesting. Question. Something that's more noticeable. Like I would assume An that invisibility cloak. No, shut up. Like a like I I think that a full outfit sort of thing. It's the bigger question of whether the outfit fits you or you are trying to fit the outfit. Yeah. Right. But but an outfit has pieces and those individual pieces I agree, pieces but I don't, think can... those, I don't think that those individual pieces can be talked about at that same level. Ooh, and that's where you're wrong. But it's fine. I'll humor you because <laughs> I support you, Mark. Uh, anyway. <laughs> You can get an unremarkable watch that is not a digital watch. And I don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at. There are lots no. of the kind of, you know, understated um, analog types of watches that are still, like, relatively unremarkable and just kind of there. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I don't know. It's something I'm gonna have to do some soul searching on for sure. I think you really have to decide whether you feel like reading Circle Time again, or if you enjoy Digital Time too much. Honestly, I'm very okay reading Circle Time. All my clocks at like work and stuff are Circle Time, or like mm-hmm. the ones in rooms. And I like those. Like I can read Circle Time. I love how you called it Circle Time, by the way. I've picked up on that since. This is another camp counselor thing. I was talking is to that, one of my yeah. favorite camp counselors during like a lunch break, and he told me how he was teaching some little kids, and someone asked him what time it was, so he showed him their watch, and the kid said, I don't read circle time. That's an... Um, de- I was... When you started saying it, I was like, this definitely came from a kid, because yeah. that's the way a kid would describe it, and it's perfect. Yeah. I don't know so what else to I, I've stuck with that. Call it, but... I mean, it's analog time. Yeah, but that's just like not fun. I I agree. And analog time, I feel like, is less 
representative of the rich history of timekeeping devices. Oh, I agree. So actually, I'm going to use this as a as a segue in the podcast that I, I might edit this out because I don't want to spoil things for Mikhail. Okay. Um, but the text adventure that I want you to play is <sighs> entirely based on uh, research that I did into watches and timekeeping devices. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's also nothing stopping you from going my way and having a couple of watches. Mm-hmm. Of having your, as you say, your daily driver watch that is, you know, old faithful, old comfortable. Um, and then the, you know, you just nice little extra bit that, um, just really completes whatever outfit you're about to wear on a night on the town in a year when that happens again. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say night on the town? You know, what town? Like kitchen? On your night on the Zoom, you can just kind of casually, like, flex your arm into your wrist into frame every so often. Oh, God. <laughs> Catch a light, catch a catch a light beam to just reflect it right into the camera lens. Yeah, see, see, that's what I do. I'm always, I'm always moving my arms into frame to flex, just to show how, yeah. show how, uh, average <laughs> of strength my arms are. Actually, no, I got great forearms. I'm not even gonna knock myself for that. I got great forearms, like not not like Michelle Obama tier, but like I got great forearms. <laughs> Isn't that weird that that was ever a thing? Uh, or do you not even know that was a thing? I mean, I, I don't think the forearm specifically I was aware of as a um, kink of people's, but... <laughs> no, not a kink. I was... That's not what I was talking about at all. Oh. <laughs> that, like, there was a whole thing when, like, Barack Obama first became the president about, like, Michelle Obama's forearms. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I remember, like, people oh. talking about arms, I think, maybe... You think that's something I'd remember from being a seventh grader, but um, I don't remember <laughs> forearms specifically. Yeah, that's my point. Okay. Um, but yeah, the other thing that I was gonna say, thinking, speaking of the reflecting light, that's the weirdest adjustment. When I finally started wearing my slow watch again, every once in a while, and I'd be driving, light bounces off real watches like crazy mm-hmm. compared to a mm-hmm. digital watch. <laughs> I totally forgot about that, and I'm just like, man, I hope I don't blind like a driver next to me, because this light is just going all over the place. It's so much. <laughs> wow, you truly live in a sunny paradise, Mark. I do. You have to concern yourself with that. <laughs> I mean, it'd be way worse than like a sunny winter day. Everybody knows that that's the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh, snow blindness? Yeah, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It'll always remind me, I may cut this too, but it's a really funny story. Oh God! We give each other a look, and he, and he finally realized what the order in which he had said things, and how he had not meant them to be related. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was a, that's yeah. always a always a fun memory. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. I really do hope you cut that. Grant has brought Luann by Greg Evans. 
And we have a fella, Gunth, maybe short for Gunther, carrying a large stack of books from his waist up to his eyes. And he is following Luan. And Luan asks, doing anything fun over the weekend, Gunth? And Gunth says, no. And in the next frame, Gunth is holding up a corkboard with several pieces of paper uh, thumbtacked to it. And Luann says, seen any good movies lately? Nope. Read any good books? One. And in the next frame, Gunth is standing behind a bookshelf with a single... Uh, empty book slot, allowing us to see a small part of his face. And Luan says, Gunther, stop it! And Gunther says, what? I think I forgot to mention in the second frame that the, that the corkboard is covering basically his entire face, except for his forehead. So I'll add that as an after, after uh, the fact of his uh, Wilson from Home Improvement impression. <coughs> okay. I'm gonna be honest, that doesn't have any bearing on where I'm taking this, but I appreciate well, you that's giving fine. All I'm the just, details. In case in case any of our listeners are familiar with the uh late nineties maybe family sitcom Home Improvement and the neighbor Wilson, just imagine that. Was it a sitcom? I mean there was a laugh track and it was about a family. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was a sitcom. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It definitely was. You're right. <laughs> what do you think it was? An actual construction show? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, not to derail you. I think I'm also combining I'd hate to do that. that and this old house. Is that a this old house? That, that sounds a like a show? thing. I don't. I'm not aware of it, but it sounds like something I've heard of. This old house, home improvement and remodeling. Started in 1979, 42 seasons. Holy cow. That was on PPS, so. Yeah, I don't know how I combined those two in my head, but I definitely did. Huh. Yeah, I, I doubt that this old house had a um, sage neighbor whose face we never saw. No, I don't think it did. Hmm. So what are we well, talking about? So... Where this uh this comic is set in a uh place that houses books and there is a bookshelf. And we're I brought this comic because I'm seeking assistance from you, Mark. How do I Oh see if I can go two for two on this episode and grant advice? Yeah. How do I properly arrange a bookshelf? If you want, I can give you more details about my because my bookshelf is mm. complicated. Which maybe is why I'm having difficulty. Okay, there are two theories behind bookshelf arrangement. Mm-hmm. One is organizing it, and one is not organizing it. Um, oftentimes, the not organizing ends up being accidentally organized in terms of, say, like, uh, chronological order in which the books were purchased. Mm-hmm. That's one way. Um... But yeah, I I tend to subscribe to the generally not very organized with asterisks on that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I 
at home in Minnesota have three bookshelves in my bedroom. I only have one in my current bedroom, and it's most of it is not taken up by books. So my current uh, situation here specifically is not that helpful. But in Minnesota, I have three bookshelves. One, the original bookshelf, is full of mainly children's and young adult books. So books that either I'm going to keep forever until, you know, I have kids or I have, like, you know, nephews and nieces to give books to. Mm-hmm. Or they'll end up getting donated eventually. Um, so that's that bookshelf that lives in my closet. And then over the years, I ended up needing to buy and build two more bookshelves because of the books that I had obtained. Mm-hmm. So one of them is the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of them is the big book bookshelf, which has all the big books, um, compilations of novels, math textbooks. Um, it's also, I guess it's kind of the big book slash old book bookshelf. Not every book on there is is necessarily that big, but it's all of the kind of older classic novels that I've read or want to read. Um, Aaron often gets me the Barnes and Noble classics editions of books that are like the kind mm-hmm. of faux leather bound ones mm-hmm. of classic novels. So I have a big collection of those. Those all live on the big book bookshelf. And then the other bookshelf is everything else. So more modern books that don't belong on the big and old bookshelf. Um, you know, some of these are novels that I read in high school or in college, either for fun or for a class. I have yearbooks in there. I have some children's books in there that are like childhood children's books that I'm definitely never going to get rid of. So those stay on there. Um, just other miscellaneous ones. My Calvin and Hobbes books are all in there. So yeah, that is my that is how I ended up organizing my bookshelves. But that's among many bookshelves, and each particular bookshelf has no organization beyond arranging the books so that they end up fitting. Why? Okay. What is what's your dilemma? So um I actually I don't know if we've even mentioned this on the podcast, but I recently moved into a new place. Um, mm-hmm. and thus had to go through the process of moving. So packing up all of the, honestly, my desk, so my desk and bookshelf are one unit. They are combined. And honestly, at my previous place of residence, uh, my organizational scheme was, and I'm sorry to make you edit this, Mark, was piles of shit. Um, mm-hmm. so my desk and all of the cubbies in my bookshelf we're just filled with piles of crap. Um, most things were oriented horizontally because that's how piles stack up nicest, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with kind of paper-shaped things. Um, and so in moving into my new place of residence, I am trying to trying to organize and keep my life a bit nicer. And I'm trying to start that from the beginning of not moving things into the new place in an unorganized manner and mm-hmm. so i've been trying very hard to leave things in boxes until i can organize them and put them away properly my current project slash mission is dealing with my desk and bookshelf area because i have a number of 
incredibly heavy boxes, or had, I guess, a number of incredibly heavy boxes full of books and bookshelfy items. Um, and so over the weekend, I made my first attempt at unpacking them into some sort of a not nonsensical way into the bookshelf. And I'm not sure I'm satisfied with it, to be honest. Okay. Um, my challenge is that my bookshelf is not your average bookshelf. It is a square cabinet without doors or anything, but it's full of cubes. So every, it's like a four by four stack of cubes that are all 13 by 13 by 13 inches. Yeah, that's basically what mine is here. Yeah. And so, and then my desk attaches to that. And so it like my desk is two cubes deep and so and two cubes tall off the ground. And so it covers up four of the cubes kind of. And so I've got like this L of open cubes. And I don't know, like, because I don't have I clearly don't have enough books to fill it. Okay. All not even close. I have enough books for like. Sorry, I need to take a sec to look here. Um, five and two halves and I specify two halves because there are certain things that I will not organize together um, okay but like so of the yeah and just like I don't know like how to organize them cause like I don't know I don't know, I don't know what to do Mark hmm. like I cause part of my enjoyment of bookshelves is I like having Things that you like to keep that can be found quite easily, but without having to put the aesthetic value of it at like a disadvantage or like without having to hurt the aesthetic value. Because I think bookshelves are something that are very aesthetically pleasing or can be at least. Yeah, I guess. So if I were to ever have like a personal library of sorts, which is definitely a goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd have to do more organization. Currently, I have no qualms with the uh, relatively small number of books that I have going wherever, because it's not going to take me much longer to find it than if I were to attempt to like alphabetize them or do something to make it clear where stuff might be. Mm-hmm. Other than the setup in Minnesota that I already told you I have, which at least narrows things down a bit if I'm looking mm-hmm. for something specific. Um. So, you know, some immediate thoughts are you could just do it by size. Um, but I, I, I don't really, what's a sort of, what's the cross section of books that you have? Like, what's a, do you have like any really small books, really big books? Like, what are we working with here? Or are these just kind of standard fare paperback books or something? So they run a really wide gambit. Yeah, gambit. Gamut. 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 There we go. They run a really wide gamut. Is gambit a word though? Gambit is a word. A gambit is like a plan to do some mischief or something. Yeah. So they run a really wide gamut, not gambit. But my books could be mischievous. Who knows? I don't know what they do in their off time. Um. (laughs) The new hit. The new hit Pixar movie book story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't! Did you just say that into your microphone? 
Can we like yeah. trademark that in any way to like keep them from stealing it? And they're gonna steal it now. <laughs> it's gonna come Certainly. out in 2022. We know it. We can. We better start getting finding a good lawyer to fight. All them we need on to this. do is start buying up all the relevant URLs. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be great. Um, but anyways, so my current organizational scheme has them kind of like yours like grouped into somewhat like times of my life and styles that fit together mm-hmm. and so i've got um i have books that i purchased for college that are not textbooks that i like that i want to keep because i like them so that includes like nonfiction books some philosophy books, um, some fiction books, and um, a couple other random books that I guess I shoved with those because they made it fit in the queue better. Um, and then I've got a cube of um, fiction thrillers. Mostly, most of them are either Dan Brown or Vince Flynn books, and then I have a book, a cube of like, I'll call it reference books. So that includes, I guess, Kelvin and Hobbes is part of reference books in my organizational decisions that I made over the weekend, mm-hmm. along with a a very... reference for life. You may say yes. Actually, yes, I do stand by that statement. I also have a very, in my opinion, beautiful, very old dictionary in there. Hmm. Sweet. Um, a beautifully bound copy of a compilation of some of Shakespeare's more popular works. Hmm. And then I've got another cube of college science textbooks that I am keeping. Um, I've got a cube of... I have an entire cube of yearbooks and of other books that I really hate that I used to shove in there to keep that one from falling over. Um, And I have another half cube of college textbooks that I don't like as much. And another half cube of books that I purchased for college that I still have because nobody would buy them. And I want to get rid of them because I hate them very deeply. Have you tried going to like a one of those like a half price bookstores kind of places? Sure, they're looking for donations in general. Maybe not now, but a few months maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like or I'm, I'm sure you at could them just and and like or you I, just donate them to a library library if they're in decent condition, which they probably are if you bought them in college. Yeah, they kind of are. Now I'm now that I said that I'm like looking at them more and I'm like, but I do have like good memories stemming at least adjacent to them. That's like, how I feel I'm, about I'm all my books. Them. I'm never touching them again. I didn't even read them all the first time. <laughs> I don't know. So they run like now that I've examined them a bit more while trying to describe it while still facing my microphone. Oh my gosh. I have a microphone thingy. Oh my god, I should have just like swung Oh my god, I'm an idiot. I kept like trying to turn my head and then turn it back when I was going to talk. I mean, with this cool microphone stand, I could have just like moved it. I mean, you shouldn't just like move it while talking. That's not really great, but. Okay. Well, I'm sorry for what I just did then. 
Well, we'll see how it sounds. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. That that does make logical sense. I should have done that during a pause. Um, I don't think you could hear anything though. It was quite silent. At least felt silent. Well, yeah, it feels silent, but like movement causes noise to go through the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just gloss over that one a bit. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. So this is this feels like one of those things where, despite having done over a hundred episodes about a mainly visual medium uh, <laughs> as a podcast, yeah, I feel like this is totally one of those things where I'd legitimately want to just like sit down on a Skype call with a video and be like, "All right, let's problem solve this one." We should, can we actually <laughs> do that sometime? Yeah, that's no okay. problem. Okay. We'll do it when we uh, do that other thing. What? Oh, oh. Thing we're gonna... oh no, no, no. no. I... See, I knew we were going to do another thing. I just didn't remember what it was. Yeah. Uh, assuming we're thinking about the same thing. Yeah, sure. Okay, sweet. <laughs> cool. You know, when we're cooking meth together. Thinking of the same thing? Did you say doing math together? <laughs> oh, you're so witty. I love you, Mark. We got deflocked by shoot. I've read this dude's name before too, and you made fun of me for it last time about too. Jeff Corvu. You want to help me there or not? Yeah, it seems fine. Okay. Uh, so in this comic, we've got we are set in a car. And looking through the front windshield, and we have a a dog in the passenger seat, and mm, a sheep in the driver's seat. Yeah, sure. That means it's not a sheep, but we're gonna go with it. No, I I, I don't know either. I oh. that seems right. The name oh, okay. the name deflocked makes it seem like it's probably a sheep. Yeah, definitely a sheep. I was right the first time. Shouldn't have questioned myself. Trust your gut. Anyway. The sheep in the driver's seat says, It's amazing how much advancement there's been in onboard car computers. The car squawks out, Passenger detected. If you're a single female with an education and optimism, please end the day now. You can do better than him. The dog and sheep look at each other with concerned facial expressions. And the sheep exclaims, Okay! Now listen to it in the British woman's voice. <laughs> uh, this feels like a personal attack, but that's okay. No, it's not. I no. I actually just wanted to talk to you because I feel uh, I feel like we haven't fully. I just wanted to talk to you about our cars and how we feel about them because mm-hmm. we both got new car new cars to us um, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. right? When we became adults, that was part of our rite of passage, mm-hmm. um, was obtaining cars that we have um, actual real responsibility for, um, mm-hmm. legally and financially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm just curious, now that you're two years out on such an endeavor, how are you feeling about your car? About oh. the things that it has, What what things you might like want if you think about a future car however many years down the line that might be 
Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm thrilled with my current car. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled with it. I like having a car. So I got a SUV crossover type thing in my driver. I don't know what it's freaking called. Um, but <laughs> Do I not, like, you can just say the name of the kind of car that you have. Oh, I have. Well, I don't know if everyone knows cars. They don't have to. You you said the broad thing, and now you can say the specific thing. So I have I have a Ford Escape. Okay. Um, and like I like having a car that you can put some junk in the trunk. You know, Mm -hmm. like you can fold down them seats, and you can like toss a whole bike in there. Don't worry about having to take off that front tire. You can just throw it in there. It just fits. If it fits, it sits. You know. Um. And so, I just, like, I very much enjoy that aspect of it. Um, the thing that ever since getting it and going to the grocery store I've wanted to do, but I'm now noticing I've still never done, is to spend the whatever $10 or 10 to $20 it'll be to buy, like, some just elastic on the internet and, like, make a little loop that goes around the back seats and into the mm. trunk to, like, help corral bags of groceries. Because um, yeah. that's the one thing I don't love is that like there's not much organizational system in the back, and so if I throw groceries in the trunk, I better be packing strategically, or else my milk's about to be sideways and like falling out of it, and my fruit's about to be spilled everywhere, and like I don't want to get sidetracked. I refuse to, but okay. I do find it interesting that particularly in a car of that size. You go for the trunk for your grocery placement. I just find that generally interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I won't delve into this further for the effect of not distracting you. <laughs> Mark, how are you feeling about your car? Um, I'd say like ninety-five percent of the time of it uh, of the time, I'm super happy with it. The only times that I'm not is precisely when I'm thinking about needing to move a whole bunch of stuff and realizing mm-hmm. that I can't. Um, it's a bit of a downer, so I drive a Honda Civic, the standard four-door sedan, along with Toyota Corollas, um, for people who want a car that will last for a very long time without spending a lot of money. Um, but I mean, it's great. Like, it's a peppy, it's a peppy enough car. Every time I go up to San Francisco, I love the gas mileage. Mm-hmm. That I can never complain about. That it, That's great. The general reliability has been great as well. There's been... Like, no actual structural issues with the car. Mm-hmm. Just kind of done its typical, you know, go in, do the maintenance, get the oil changed, all that sort of stuff. And it's just kind of continued to go perfectly fine. I mean, it's not like it has, like, you know, over 100,000 miles. I wouldn't expect anything to go wrong. But many cars have, you know, gone way more wrong with way fewer miles. So mm-hmm. um, I'm happy with where it's at there. Um, Yeah, it has, like, enough creature comforts. And like, you know, it, unlike the the first car that I drove frequently, uh, which was a 98 Honda Accord, where mm-hmm. I replaced the stereo, um, this one has Bluetooth built in, which is very nice. I enjoy that a lot. That's a very nice creature comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I have, I have similarly been quite happy with it. There are things that I want to do. To just kind of upgrade it a little bit, just in 
just like little bits of accessories. Like I think I want to get um, car seat covers at some point, but I need to look way more into what that does in terms of just like safety. Because Honda Civics are safe cars. There's lots of airbags all over the place in that car. And mm. I would not want to do something that would, um, you know, compromise that fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah, safety, well, Sally. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I mean, I you know, knock on wood. Look, I have wood right here. Um, I've never been in any sort of accident. So, you know, I have that track record going for me. And I very much hope not to because at least until I'm in my 30s, I uh, don't anticipate my insurance rates going down that much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I luckily I brought this up at a time where neither of us were upset about our cars. But <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'd say I'm overall happy with it. Like, I'm glad that I did not trade the, uh, you know, every few years convenience of being able to haul more things. Mm-hmm for the uh, overall fuel efficiency and nicety of just having a smaller car that I'm more comfortable driving because I grew up driving only sedans. Mm-hmm. And while I'm I am now familiar enough with driving like an SUV or a crossover kind of car because uh, that's what my both my parents have uh, now in the past uh, year or two they've both gotten uh, crossover kind of cars. So, so I'm used to them, but even when I drive them, I'm like, man, this is kind of comfortable, but with the kind of driving I do, you know, I'm happy that I have a small car that's very maneuverable, can park in more places, um, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love yeah, it yeah. every single time, especially on the home stretch from LA to San Diego, and I get like 41 miles to the gallon. Mm. Mm. It's a good feeling. I don't have that, but... Meh. I assume that you could at least get like over twenty. Oh yeah, well over. Which which for like oh, the geez. crossover class yeah. is really kind of the goal. <laughs> yeah. No, I get <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time, city driving, I'm approaching thirty, and highway driving, I'm over thirty. Nice. And so, like, I definitely can't complain about it. Yeah, I don't that's really feel good. like I should. Um, and so, like, I and like it's it's good enough that it's like it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I. It's a, a trade-off I'm willing to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Like, it would nice. be nice to get, like, 100 miles, but um, we got to be realistic here. I mean, switch to electric, and you can get infinite miles to the per gallon of gas. Depends on how closely you calculate that number. Well, I mean, per gallon of gas put into your car. Okay. You don't put any. So yes. you have essentially I, I, thanks unlimited for power mm-hmm. per mm-hmm. gallon of gas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> unlimited power. Maybe I'll maybe I'll clip out the <laughs> scene from uh, whatever it is. Oh my god, Revenge of the Sith. With <laughs> 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 that scene, is that Revenge of the Sith or um, Attack of the Clones? Which one has that? I think it's. Wait, who... I'd assume it would be the third one. Because whose quote is that? I'm starting to question now. Oh, it's Palpatine. Yeah, it's definitely the third one. It's Palpatine when he kills uh, Mace Windu. Mace Windu, yeah, that's number three. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith, okay. Mm-hmm.